0: Welcome to another episode of the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. All right, this week's podcast is called Confessions, and it is based off of the phenomenon of, I think there's a combination of things, but to simplify, I'm going to refer to it as the old soul um, as the old soul knowing, right? So I think, you know, my only, my experience is I'm a medium. So I see it through that lens and like everything that we talk about on this podcast, it's, uh, you know, my work is based off of the work that I've done since 2007 with the public. And of course, with my own experience, having been born this way, Um, But there is this phenomenon that many mediums and many old souls get confessed to all the time. And I'm talking about sitting on a park bench and somebody tells you their life story um, to a lot of people within the family come to you with their secrets. And the third part would be um, perhaps people that you love and that you know, um, seeking you out at the time you know, around the time when they're going to cross over, um, they tend to reach out to you. And and I tend to work with old soul medium type people. So if you've not experienced this, um, it may be, uh, you know, one of the questions I'd ask myself is, well, am I a medium or am I not? And um, maybe, you know, some of our behavioral issues sometimes get in the way of people being able to come to us. And so there are a lot of reasons why people don't do that. But if you have this phenomenon where people tend to put a lot on you, you know, a lot of their intimate stories on you, and maybe you're aware, hopefully at the end of this podcast, you're more aware of maybe how you shape shift or how you don't typically um, really put yourself out there fully for fear of this phenomenon happening to you. Um, so we're going to talk about a few stories. We're going to talk about a few reasons why, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, how this manifests, how this feels, and hopefully at the end of this podcast, you'll have more clarity and maybe know a little bit what to do if somebody does do that to you and why they're doing that to you. (laughs) Okay. I want to reframe it and call it the old wise soul right? So the old wise soul, and you might be an old wise soul. If the first phenomenon I see with many with myself, certainly, and with many, many of my students and clients is that strangers tell you their life story. <laughs> so growing up, I felt very burdened by this. And if I was around somebody new, I'd sort of brace myself to hear about things that I maybe couldn't handle or I didn't know how to respond I never felt adequate enough to be able to um say the right things or you know just kind of that burden of not knowing what to do or to say but somebody's revealed something really personally and um I had this clarity when so it's I was well into my career and um my husband was like in dog training or something. And there was this woman that was a little off, you know, just energetically a little off. And I was perfectly comfortable with that. I knew that. But um, she sat on the bench next to me and I just had our son and my toddler was sort of around and she just really started to confess. And this is something I'm, I was perfectly familiar with. And I just sat and listened and um, just really revealed intimate things about uh, miscarriages and children, and of course, I'm a mother there with children, so of course, I was a safe person to share these stories with. Uh, but there was so much more going on, and I understood this. And it's one of those things where you've probably heard the person stops themselves in the middle of a sentence, and they finally say why am I telling you all this? <laughs> you know, that's another moment where I'd feel, I'd feel really uncomfortable. Like, I don't know why you're telling me this, but at that very moment, I knew exactly why, uh, between me being a mother and me being a medium and me understanding how old my soul was. I knew that she might not have another person in her life where she can reveal such things and not have an opinion or a judgment or, you know, all the ways that people that love us and care about us maybe don't have safe responses. You know, sometimes that's true for some people. And, uh, I was just really able to sit there and smile back at her and reassure her and just witness. I was finally able to just witness without being so uncomfortable myself, not knowing why she was doing that. In that moment, I had clarity of all the reasons she would, of course, do that. And with some contemplation and just kind of going back into my history, I finally understood why people do that to me. And then working with so many incredibly old ancient souls and people I find myself telling everything to. (laughs) I'm a rather open person anyway, but there are some people I really... I can say exactly what I'm thinking and feeling. And so seeing this over and over in my profession with my own students, um, I'm able to articulate why people do that to you. Uh, And I think it's an important conversation because, um, you know, we'll get through all three of the phenomenons here. But what it does is it basically comes back to when people tell us such intimate things, if we don't have good boundaries, we can take in their story and then carry that story in our own energetic system. And, or maybe we are thinking to ourselves, I can barely handle my own life. Like I cannot handle yours too. You know, like those are sort of the subconscious thought patterns we have around such um, intimate stories of other people. And so knowing this about yourself, really knowing why people do that. Um, at the end of this podcast, I'll give you three things to do to really just be able to witness somebody's story and not take it in and not take it on. So that's the exciting destiny. If you're not there yet, that's where you can go so that you don't, you know, perhaps hide from life or hide from people for fear of people sharing really intimate things with you that change you in that moment or you know, if you're going to a party and you want to have fun, which is just a, you know, a real ambition for sensitives, (laughs) going out and just having fun seems like an impossible thing sometimes. So, you know, you kind of go and you're trying to put yourself out there and then, you know, you have somebody dump a really intense emotional story on you. It's hard to shake that off. It's hard not to change your own intention to take in their story. And so that is, you know, if I can say it, it's one of the burdens of being a sensitive where people come out of the woodworks to tell you intimate things. And it's impossible sometimes to enjoy yourself thereafter, because you really have to now process what they just told you or the story or, you know, and if you start remote viewing the story, you could have a full time job for the next couple of hours. So (laughs) it's kind of funny. It's definitely sad sometimes it's definitely going to be okay. And it is totally okay. Once you know why and you know why they're doing that, and then what to do so that you don't have to ruin the rest of your afternoon by processing somebody else's life story. Okay, the second type of phenomenon here for the old wise soul is being a secret keeper. So when I had my skin cancer awakening in 2010, 2011, I think it was 2010. Uh, I was very aware that I, my whole life had to know things about people that, you know, their own family members or children didn't even know about them. And I, I felt very bitter and very burdened by having to know so many people's secrets. Um, So there's two ways psychic people know secrets. (laughs) One is the most obvious somebody told you, right? And typically if you're an old soul, adults talk to you like you're an adult. So they tell you things that are sometimes way over your emotional ability um, at that particular age. Um, So that can be burdensome in its way. Again, you know, your brain perhaps is not grown to be able to handle a complex story and yet you've heard it, you know it, you read it. And sometimes you don't know where the off button is when somebody tells you a secret. Um, and again, maybe you don't have the emotional ability to handle it or deal with it. So it's just a total burden for you when you're a child. Um, the second way is that, you know, secrets because you read them. You just downloaded it. You just totally knew it. Um, one of the more obvious things was, I think I was in my twenties and I was around some family member members. There were several of them there. And when a family member came into the kitchen, I knew that they were talking to somebody other than their spouse. You know how you just like all, all things light up on your body and you see a family member talking on the phone and you're watching, you know, you're observing behavior, which was suspicious, but I was only watching cause I was getting the message that the phone call was sort of not on the up and up <laughs> again, not my business, not my problem. But now I just, I know that there's some, you know, hanky panky here going on with a family member. That again, it's just not my business, but psychics feel very, um, very responsible for the information that we pick up. I mean, was I to tell the other family member's spouse? I mean, you feel tremendous um, shame and guilt of others, and you don't know what to do with the information that you get. So that's just like the drop in the bucket. And it was really this skin cancer awakening for me that made me really just over and over and over for like six months, I had to just accept who I was, I had to accept that I don't necessarily have to be the secret keeper. Because the paradox to that is, um, you know, truth, 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 truth. So it was the skin cancer that helped me stand in the light of truth, but also have the maturity and be grounded in that so that I didn't have to Um, be the one to tell people secrets, particularly if it was not my business, not my problem. You know, that's a really hard lesson for us sensitives to, to learn over a lifetime, because many people make us feel a lot of guilt and shame, or we perceive it as that uh, for stuff we had nothing to do with. Um, And then when we do, and maybe we try to be honest, you know, there can be, the reception can be Uh, you know, you could be telling the truth and somebody can tell you, well, you're lying or that didn't happen. Or, you know, there's a lot of nuances there. We won't get into that today. But um, I see this across the board with my students where there is this heavy level of burden of knowing secrets or uh, maybe the family members think, oh, uncle so-and-so is fabulous. But you know that 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 uncle so-and-so was not only dangerous, but lawfully convicted of the danger that you felt was possible when you were five, you know, and 20 years later, he was held accountable by law. And still yet the family still tries to tell themselves that, oh, it wasn't so bad or, oh, they didn't do what they did. And so this is is one of the reasons I deeply wanted to do this podcast about confessions because sometimes the person confesses directly to us which is one thing, you know, when people sometimes tell us their secrets or your secrets or, um, and typically the more refined you get, the more, you know, oh, they're just making shit up or, oh, okay. Okay. That, that feels right now. Now I understand. Sometimes it feels good to us to, for somebody to reveal a secret if we've been getting that energetically forever anyway. But this level of, you know, sometimes confession comes with energy and like i said when i just had this knowing like oh that phone call is not on the up and up and therefore it was a confession of some sorts because i was there in that moment to feel that truth for that family member um and so as we get to the end of this podcast we'll just talk about those you know a couple of nuances on how to deal with those moments of confession when it's psychic and sometimes <laughs> i'm sensing now that i'm in my 40s Many of the things I deeply knew and felt when I was in my teens did not get confirmed really until my late thirties and forties for sure. So again, the second phenomenon of being an old wise soul is you feel like a secret keeper and, or you happen to know all the secrets of the family, um, you know, maybe Everybody, like there's something going on with a family member, but everybody comes to you to talk about it. That's, that's in my case, that happens all the time. And I've made my peace with it because I understand why. There is an understanding, whether it, you know, and certainly subconsciously, but maybe just soul to soul, that you know, you're a person that understands the nuances of human behavior. And so if somebody comes to you with some intense story, on some level, they know you can handle it because you've been around the block, you know, Um you're an old soul, meaning that you have come to this dimension many, many times, and you've been through a lot as an old soul, you've had all kinds of experiences. Um, you know, you've been the hurt and you've been the hurting, um, you've been the victim, you know, you've been the aggressor, you you've been there as a soul on many aspects of the human experience. And so on some levels, they're picking that up. Maybe their spirit guide told them to tell you, so they feel better, or they can confess, you know, just get it off their shoulders. Um, how somebody, mirror back to them that they're right, you know, you're you're seeing this correctly. I have a few family members that come to me to mirror back, you're seeing that correctly. Maybe in the the rest of the family wants to pretend this isn't real. <laughs> this isn't happening. And it's okay. I'm not in control of the family's consciousness here, but I I refuse to be that burdenous, burdened down secret keeper and I want to be in the light of truth. So that's just sort of where If I know what's up, that's where I stand in that space of truth and people are safe to come to me and people are safe to have that conversation and um, it's not my job to fix everybody. So that was a really amazing epiphany I had during my skin cancer awakening when I finally accepted this part of myself and why people tell me secrets. Okay. And finally, the third phenomenon that happens if you're an old wise soul is that people contact you or they just flat out ask you about death around the time that they pass away. Um, So the death thing would, I would maybe assume would be more of a medium thing, but I can also see it if you're just simply an old wise soul that does not have a big, huge medium thing going on in this life, you know, that's not the calling for every single older soul is you're not, not everybody's called to be a medium. So, um, I could definitely see being an old soul that is not always sort of being called to that moment of death or passing. Um, but I have to just talk about my reality and, you know, my experience and the experience of my clients is, uh, People can really come out when they're about to pass away. Um, people come out to you after people pass away for answers. Um, and if you're not, let's just say, a professional medium, that's a terrifying moment because unless you do this work and it's your life's purpose and you're used to talking to people about death and having answers at that like front consciousness, that is a deer in the headlights moment. Um, Many times before I um, came out professionally, I would have people stop and ask me. Um, Really early in my career, um, I was finally telling people I'm a working medium, psychic medium, and I was in like a, some sort of spiritual group. And, you know, the minute you kind of say that publicly, people already kind of act different towards you. And, I was sort of used to that and I had prepared for that, but I was less prepared for when the teacher, I guess we were talking about life and death, the moment of death and she was talking about it. And then she turned to me and asked me to clarify that or to talk about that, you know, and I had no talk prepared. I wasn't prepared for that moment. And it's a real, like, how do you articulate that in like 30 seconds? (laughs) You know? So, You can get that if you've had that over your lifetime where people ask you life and death questions or, um, um, for example, this other phenomenon where they come to you on some level, their soul knows they're about to pass. And so they reach for you. And if you don't have a voice, and if you don't feel like you have authority to talk about it, you don't reach back. And it's a really devastating, um, thing that is hard to get over over a lifetime some of my bigger regrets is when people reached to me in the moment of their death and i couldn't reach back because i felt so inadequate to articulate what was happening to them i hope and you know my experience now is i'm maybe a little too confident (laughs) a a little too comfortable with these conversations because i've had them for so long so i can talk about death as much you know as easily as we can talk about breakfast um, and I'm humbled by that because one time I was with my friends and colleagues and I'd happened to have my 16 year old daughter with us and we were talking about death and, you know, everyone's parents are aging and, um, I could see my daughter kind of seize up and become really uncomfortable. And I, so I, I turned to her and immediately said, I'm so sorry, honey, is this conversation bothering you? And she started to tear up, you know, and it was a real, um, humbling moment, um, you know, to humble, okay, not everybody can talk about life and death as easily as lunch. And so in the presence of my child, we could, you know, back it up a little bit. But it was also quite a triumph for me because death is such a part of life. Um, The forbiddenness to talk about it is just so inhumane. It's just grossly inhumane. Um, so the fact that I can talk with students and colleagues and friends, and we can talk about what is inevitable for all of us is such a free place to be, um, that, you know, you can talk about it before that dialogue is continued through the process. And then on the other side, you've created this relationship where this conversation is not only a safe place, it's an ongoing conversation. So you're not just Picking up this new vulnerable conversation out of the blue, perhaps in the depths of grief. So, um, yeah, let's see. I guess I was a realtor in my late teens. So let's just say I was 18 years old. I was a real estate agent. And one of my childhood friends, um, this is how old it was, I got a page that my friend had called <laughs> on my pager. And so, I was really excited. I I wanted to call him back, but there was something sort of, I hadn't talked to him since we were in like seventh grade. I, I kind of was a little bit afraid for some reason. And then a few weeks later I saw in the obituaries that he had passed away. And so for years I sort of, you know, this thing where people reach towards you at the precipice of death. That feels very like, why would they do that? You know, and I felt like I really missed an opportunity and I felt like such a coward for not just calling the guy back. Um, You know, I had images of him on his deathbed and all he wanted to do was talk to his childhood friend, Kate. And I took that from him by just overanalyzing the shit out of that moment. So I carried a tremendous amount of guilt for not just calling him back. Well, then I, over the course of the next decade, that that happened a few times, you know, a few times more, where on my grandpa's deathbed, um, he reached for me and I changed it to how's the weather because I did not have a voice yet. I could not, in the moment, transitioning, exit point right here, I could not, I could not navigate this with him, I could not reflect back anything other than you know maybe my own terror or my own insecurity my lack of authority on the subject at that point um so that too took me years to get over and to just accept you know why are you reaching for me I I felt so inadequate and now I completely understand why because I've grown into myself and um You know, at the end of this podcast, we'll talk about just why they do that. And they do that because I am a medium. So if you like, let's just say in an alternate reality, which would be an incredible reality where little medium kids have a place to go to learn about themselves, to be mediums, to learn about their clairs, to learn about this extra sense of responsibility around death, because it's just a matter of fact for mediums. People tend to talk to us about death and people tend to reach for us in those very intense emotional moments. And if you're a medium that's in total denial or you're, you know, you don't have the confidence, you don't have the verbiage, you don't, it's not on your tongue because you don't speak of such things. You really lose these moments when it actually does count. So, um, This is just that phenomenon, you know, if you can think about in your own life where maybe, you know, I didn't necessarily have a relationship with my grandpa. So when he was crossing over that, uh, it was an emotional thing for me because I wasn't close to him either, you know, and you feel a lot of like, why couldn't we have been closer? You know, why couldn't things have been different? You know, you ask all the why questions instead of being able to be present in the moment of, well, it's upon you. And this could have been a really precious moment to have had um, between you and your grandfather for the rest of your life, had I, you know, been braver, brave enough to reach back in that moment. So, but again, I just did not have, I didn't have the functionings (laughs) to be able to do that. I see that, that burden in my students where there's people ask them stuff about death and they feel inadequate to answer. And I mean, if I have, if I can say anything, it's that the people that talk to spirits are the ones who should talk about spirit things, right? If if you're talking to heaven, you do have authority on what heaven is and where people go when they pass away. So there are answers, there are questions that can be answered quite simply. And there's a complexity to it, because it's not as simple as we make it. But that's okay. You know, we can handle a simple um, conversation about it. And if a more texture comes in, we can handle that too. And so these three things that I'm going to talk about now are the real ways for you to ground yourself when these moments happen to you. Okay, the first thing that you can do is to just witness. So take all, you know, we just want to reframe all the ways that maybe freaks you out or makes you feel really uncomfortable or makes you want to run away or shut down emotionally, just try to reframe it as, Hey, I'm just witnessing, you know, I can witness this. You're just, you literally might be the only spirit that they've come across that they know can handle their story and can witness their story. And, um, again, you might be a rare soul to them and it could be really just a, you know, I need to be witnessed by a being like you. And, you know, we talk about knowing who we are. And um, sometimes, again, if this happens to you, you might just be a rare type of soul that can handle to have the presence of mind to just witness somebody else's story. And so, you know, when you witness a sunset, you don't have to do anything. You just sit and watch. And it can make you feel... You know, it's not responsible for the way the sunset makes you feel. Um, So when people tell their stories, the second thing to do is to, um, you know, well, I want to finish the sunset metaphor. (laughs) I thought I could just get that into the second tip, but I can't. So, you know, sunset in itself is there to be witnessed. And sometimes you watch the sunset and you're in just awe and you're content and maybe sometime during that sunset, you feel um, lonely or um, nostalgic, or it takes you into the past. And so, you know, the, the sunset is not responsible for how it makes you feel. And so if we can sort of see, oh, somebody's telling me a really intimate story, and I don't think I can handle it. Just tell yourself, hey, I can just be a witness here. And you don't have to do anything. You know, you're just watching the sun go down. You're just being in awe in somebody's story and maybe their strength and maybe, holy shit, what they're called to go through in this life. And the second tip would be to know why they're doing it and to mirror back their capability in being able to handle their story. So what I mean by that is, again, knowing who you are. So, okay, they just need a witness. I can do that. You know, for whatever reason, you're, you're, if you're an old wise soul, you are certainly strong enough to handle other people's stories. Okay. So you are wired, you're created, you're, you've been around the block long enough to be able to witness. And the important thing I think maybe our to do would just to be, to mirror back that, you know, just like with us, if we have to go through something, we have to go through it. And we have the grace to go through whatever we're called to go through in this life. You have the grace. If you're going through it, guess what? You're going through it, whether you like it or not. So if somebody is telling us a really intensely emotional story, instead of mirroring back to them, what a victim they are, these bad things shouldn't happen. If you can just center yourself in your heart space and just really ground into, you know, they're having to go through whatever this is and not as victims but the you know all the little pieces of gold that are in sometimes our most tragic stories we really have to stay in that space of you got this you can handle this on the other side of this no matter how tragic it's going to be beautiful and no matter how ugly or hard it is you're beautiful And to just really stay in that heart space of capability for them. I feel like sometimes we lose our footing in people's deep stories when we, you know, maybe we're raised to, you know, oh my God, it's so bad. It's so bad. You're a victim. You're a victim. I certainly had that to overcome myself. And I certainly bring out the victim from time to time. (laughs) and My victim parts of me just reminds me of these pieces that I have yet to heal and to look at and to process and what have you. So she's, you know, when the victim comes up, I'm not even a victim of that. She's very much there to remind me of these pieces that I would like to heal and look at. Okay. So if we can kind of get conscious about that and make a decision to mirror back strength and mirror back capability, um, it can that's what we can do to override the victim from really coming out and perhaps overtaking you too. Cause sometimes if somebody's coming at you with a victim story, it just gets your victim all amped up (laughs) too. (laughs) So to manage the victim archetype within all of us, we just really want to ground our hearts and ourselves in, you got this, you got this, no matter how beyond tragic of the stories I've heard over my career as a medium. And over the life that I lived earlier, you know, whatever it is we can overcome and we have to mirror that back. Okay. That's the second way to sort of keep your footing when these things happen to you. Okay. And the third one, which just took me forever to learn and to be able to execute. And now I just do it as habit. But the third one is every time you pick up the energy of somebody's story, to look at it, put it down, you know, just put it down. And then after you put it down, send it back with a blessing. So here's how it probably goes for you, right? Somebody's telling you a story. Now you start to remote view it. Now the story is over, but you're remote viewing it. You're playing images over and over in your mind. Now you're back in the car with your family and all you can do is play those messages (laughs) over and over in your head, in your mind, maybe the feelings are coming in, maybe you hear what that moment was like, and now you're pretty traumatized. Okay. So what I do with my students is we, you know, just practice identifying, okay, you're spinning out, you just took in the story. But you've got to learn, like you would a package, pretend it's a beautiful package that they just told you, like try to contain it into a beautiful package. You put the story down and then maybe you hand it back to them. You could even do a visualization where you hand the story back to them with a blessing, you know, God bless you or blessings to you or whatever, but just put it down and send it back with a story. Great. So now they're telling you a story. And you're aware, I'm not picking up this package. I'm not touching it. It's not mine. I'm going to witness. I'm just going to witness. Okay. Let's just say now you're in the car with your family. You kind of picked up the story, right? You're kind of remote viewing it. You're thinking about it. It's kind of getting in. So you just visualize pushing it out of you, getting it off out of your aura, and just sending the energy back with a blessing. Bless you. And every time you want to start remote viewing, you keep blessing it and sending it back. And... That is a skill to develop that can really, you can get that so refined. You, you don't even pick up stuff anymore and maybe you find yourself just blessing them. You know, I think all of us could use blessings. So there's, there's nothing that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, not sarcastically, I think to my listeners, I wouldn't have had to even say that, but you know, like a genuine blessing, um, and it blesses you too, because you're also talking to your spirit about you don't have to pick up everybody else's crap. You don't have to pick up everybody else's pain. That's not your job. That's not why you were born. Okay. This can help bodies, you know, shake off energy, maybe shake off some weight, you know, get a little pep in your step back. (laughs) It can be really transforming to do these three things. Um, again, witness, just witness. Um, Number two is just, you know, mirror back. You got this. It's going to be okay. I, you know, you're, you've got all the grace to get through this. And number three is to drop the energy and send it back with a blessing. If you dare keep picking it up and and thinking about it. Okay. So confessions, confessions to the sensitive, to the psychic medium, um, I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. I've certainly enjoyed talking to you about such things. And I hope that there's some refinement for you and some clarity on maybe why the outside world comes in sometimes and sometimes why the outside world comes in really hard and in a really intimate way. And sometimes I know you feel like you can't handle that. So I hope these three three tips can help your mind and your nervous system and your heart from not closing and get you back out into the world and out of your house and out of um, being isolated to prevent moments like this, <laughs> you know, I understand, but okay. Until next time, take care. If you're interested in finding out which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclaire.com and take the quiz, which Claire are you? Until next time, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.